This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, and we've got a big one on our hands. If we were fishing right now, it would be a musky. It's UFC 263. Plus, we've got uh, Bellator, PFL, lots to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, I mean, we're recording this on a Thursday, so the shelf life of this in terms of talking PFL won't be that long. So we'll talk a little bit about it, but we're mostly going to focus on this weekend's event, UFC 263, headlined by Israel Adesanya, someone who you're very familiar with, Joe, and Marvin Vittori. You know, we've been doing this podcast for such a long time that I remember us talking about Israel before he debuted, and you were telling me about him and about how you covered him in glory. We've been doing this for some time, Joe. Yeah, it's been a while, and I even think last year... You asked me for my highlight of the year. It was Adesanya winning the belt, and you know, I mean, it's it's been a, it's been a little journey here. So yeah, we've been it's nice. This ride. Yeah, we've been here. We've been there. But uh, I'm excited. Anytime Izzy fights, I don't care who he's fighting. Obviously, knowing him and calling his kickboxing, you know, I'm excited. I think Vittori's bringing uh, some some trash, some some good confidence. So I think. Uh, it's going to be fun, if anything. Well, Joe, you've got a bit of a conundrum on your hand because you, you've got to choose between Israel, who you've covered oh, before know. in the commentary, and the first Italian UFC champion. You've got, I know. You've, you've I got know. to pick your poison. It's tough, too, because already now Italy's playing in the uh, the Euro Cup, too. So, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm all in that Italian pride right now. You're in so. Forza mode. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, – the Azzurri going to have to support both. But, Do you put a flag uh, on your tough. car? Not, I used to. I used to be okay, obsessed. Well, I go. used to be with my dad. That was my one thing. If you had to ask me, what were you obsessed with as a kid? It wasn't obviously martial arts and, and, and blood sport and kickboxer, but it was international Italian soccer. That was my <laughs> obsession with my father. It That's was going on the Danforth. <laughs> it was you know waving flags on my street the and Danforth. my dad honking. Oh, yeah, Do you we were college? a Danforth group. Don't you mean college and the – no, we were at Danforth Avenue group. My that's, dad that's grew Greek up on town. Danforth Avenue. No, just before Woodbine. Just before oh, Woodbine. Okay. It's all a big Italian section, so we close it off every year, go to all the Italian social clubs. It's like a block, uh, two blocks of Italian social clubs, mm-hmm. and we used to rock that place. So that was mine. And, and then when they'd win the World Cup, we'd kind of join up with the other Italians in St. Clair. So, yeah, it's been – that was my passion. If they lost, I'd cry. I'd throw things. I'd punch things. I'd, I'd break things. And, yeah, if Italy lost, it wasn't a good day in the Valtellini family. So you're like basically every other Italian person in Toronto just cheering for Italian yeah, soccer. that's it. But I, it, it wasn't even it – was, it was not even nothing about football, football nothing about, uh, you know, club soccer. It was international yeah. Italian soccer. Yeah, that was the obsession. Just, that's yeah, it. Yeah, you were uh, celebrating your country. That was it. That was my uh, – my anger moments, my happiness, and I remember kicking chairs, throwing flags, and just even the memories with my dad celebrating every time they score. It's still a, a good feeling. Got ki- uh, My parents would take me out of school to watch games. I'd miss work. I'd take days off. That's how important it was. Yeah, well, I, I've got Brazilian roots, so I've always cheered for Brazil as a result there of that. You go. You know, we're kind of on opposite sides of the fence. My yeah. grandmother was born in Brazil, so. Uh, there you go. I've got lots you of teams I can that. cheer from. I can draw from you all kinds of parts that. of my family. Take it when, when convenient, Hungary, right? Hungary, Poland. Yeah. Take it know, when convenient. Yeah, Take exactly. it when convenient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, I'm uh, excited. My uncles were, uh, my great uncles, may they rest in peace, when they first came to Canada, they were, uh, they went to cheer for Brazil. I think it was like at Maple Leaf Gardens or something. They were showing on closed circuit. It was like Brazil versus Italy, and they had to get escorted out by security when Brazil won because they were like the only Brazilian fans there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I was a, a Roberto Baggio fan. That's like if you if you that was him. I have a six foot poster of him. Like everything about Roberto Baggio was uh, an obsession. Loved him. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the Italian at hand, which is Marvin Vittori. What do you peg his chances uh, of beating Israel this weekend? Uh, I don't think very good, to be honest. I think uh, since their fight, Izzy's developed the confidence, his striking, the takedown defense. Um, I mean, he's going to make it a tough fight. We know that from Vittori. I know he'll come forward. I mean, he's got that big neck, the big head that can probably take some big shots and still keep coming forward. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, he's confident, and that's what you kind of need to do, close the distance and scrap. I mean, you can't sit there. Adesanya's going to hit you with one punch. You can't just sit there and stop. you got to maybe eat two or three to get inside and and then just kind of pressure fight him. But, uh, yeah, I think Izzy gets it done within the distance, to be honest. 
I'm on the opposite side of this. I, you know, I've been doing a good job at picking championship fights. Picking fights in general in terms of uh, my bets and my with TSN edge picks, a lot of the time it's kind of hit or miss. But my championship ones have always been on point. I think Vittori wins a decision here. He's a 4-1 to one underdog to win a decision. Wow. And uh, I think that both of these guys have evolved so much since their first fight. But if you watched, you know, the first fight to now, Vittori is almost a completely different fighter. If you go and watch that fight versus his last fight against Holland or his previous fight before that against Hermanson, we've just got a different, you know, a different fighter on our hands in Vittori who just seems to be getting better and better every time. He's under Rafael Cordero, learning all these new tools. And I think that the the key to this fight is whether or not he's going to be able to use his wrestling um, in open space. Because if he's trying to wrestle Izzy against the cage, he might have some success, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to tire him out, I think, over the course of five rounds. I think Vittori's going to have to figure out a way to use his wrestling in open space if he wants to yep. win this fight. I think that on the feet, Israel's going to be the favorite for the duration of the fight. Israel's going to the, the, be able to do more damage. So Marvin's best bet is to get this to the ground. And I think over the course of five rounds, I'm confident that he can win three of those rounds. And uh, at plus 400, you're getting good value on that. Now, does that mean that I think he's going to necessarily win the fight every time? No, I think that Israel's got a great chance of winning. Uh, you say Israel inside the distance, but I don't think Vittori's ever been finished. In, fa- in fact, I don't think Vittori's ever been close to getting finished. So yeah. I'd be surprised if Israel's able to, to find a finish in this one, but it could happen. Yeah, I, I think Vittori, you know the game plan, and obviously Adesanya's waiting for that opportunity to come in. I think, I know everyone's talking about getting Izzy down in, in open space, and just because of the Wachowicz fight, that was the key. And But I just think someone his weight, the range, I, I think that was, a you need to be a very big man to be able to take him down in open space. I think Izzy's distance control, he's going to manage it with extra care and caution. His, his range is insane. So, I mean, if you can kind of stick behind a good jab, move, good front kicks, I mean, it's that's that's the beautiful thing about the game. I mean, I think it's uh, it's a tough. Uh, like I said, I think Vittori's tough, but I, I think he's going to eat something coming in. That's just uh, the prediction: a, a knee, an uppercut, um, something like in that nature. Well, we talk about pressure fighting, and has that worked on Israel in the past from a kickboxing standpoint? Because Vittori is a pressure fighter, um, but uh, you know, if you look at Israel's losses in kickboxing, has that been primarily to like tell me, you tell me. Yeah, well, the one um, this is the one of big controversy is the when he fought Jason Wilness in Los Angeles for the world title. What happened was Wilness just used the pressure fighting strategy of just kind of keeping him against the ropes, chopping him with low kicks, where Izzy was kind of touching and moving, using angles, hand pins, good jab. But uh, he was staying against the ropes and, and, and Wilness wasn't moving and continually chopping. But that pressure, I mean, watching back, you can you say Izzy won, his team won, all this controversy around surrounding that fight. But it was the pressure fighting that and staying in his face that kind of, you know, gave the judges the the nod to Jason Wilness. So I mean, you kind of have to sit there and and take the shots. That's why I always say to beat, you know, Adesanya, I think you got to be a fantastic kickboxer, not a mediocre one, and even like a a phenomenal wrestler. You have to be a Khabib or a like a Alex Pereira to kind of beat the guy. And and I don't think Vittori, he's kind of like the um, in the middle, does both very well. But I think you got to be a specialist on the spectrum to kind of give Izzy uh, more problems. So you think Jan, it was just because of the size, like be, because once Big he got time, top yeah. control, it was really hard for Israel. And I asked Israel about the, that this week. I said, what, was he heavier than you expected when he had top control? Because uh, it's a weight class up. Yeah, you got to think when Izzy is sitting there and there's a 185-pounder and he, he pegs you with a nice long jab, you know, if you're 185 pounds, that's going to keep you away. But if you're a 250-pound man getting and, and, you know, you eat a jab, it's a little different, you know, like weight and size at that point, you know, Izzy couldn't keep him back with his threat of his power as much. So that's that's kind of the difference. But, yeah, I think you have to pressure him. So that that's the key. And I think if Vittori's going to do it, he's going to have to have a fantastic – gas tank and a lot of cage fighting i think i think if, if yes you should take him down in open space if he can but i think it'll be a lot of cage fighting so hope his gas tank is up there yeah absolutely i think that both of these guys have to have to trust their gas tanks but i mean you look at Vittoria against holland he, he was able to last five rounds in that fight without any issues but, but that, that being said he was just on top the whole time right there, there wasn't as much energy that was exerted 
See, I wasn't impressed with Vittori in his fight with Holland. I, I just I know it was a last minute replacement fight, but I didn't see what I didn't see from Vittori was explosiveness. I didn't really see pop. I kind of saw one like steady pace, heavy and dominant and strong, but there's no explosiveness in the strike. There's no head movement, slip rip counters and and good ripping shots and level like it just I needed to I didn't see that pop that that so I think that recency is kind of throwing me off slightly to, to really how good Vittori is. Well, one thing that I pointed out uh, yesterday was that since losing to Israel, uh, Vittori has lost one, only one of 17 rounds on the Jazz scorecards. He's won 16 of 17 uh, in terms of round for round uh, in his fights. And if you look at how he's won his fights, let's, uh, let's forget the Cesar Pejeja fight because I don't really remember it. But against, against Andrew Sanchez, Andrew Sanchez is a, a very low output guy because he uses his wrestling he gets tired quickly he, he tends to really preserve his energy Vittori overwhelmed him Land, almost outlanded him three to one against Roberson um Roberson is a very uh you know very much a precision striker he's got good yep, ground skills guy. yeah underrated ground skills but Vittori basically used the weaknesses of Roberson against him he took him down he outlanded him 45 to four and he subbed him uh, you know, we we know that uh, Roberson's bread and butter is is striking because yeah. of his his background. But he, you know, he is good on the ground, but not great on the ground. And I think Vittori exploited that. And then against Jack Hermanson, um, Hermanson was still able to land two takedowns, but wasn't able to to get a sub on Vittori. But Vittori outlanded him 164 to 122. Scored a knockdown in that fight. Um, you know, he basically overwhelmed Jack Hermanson over the course. That was, I think, his most impressive performance of his career. Uh, in that fight. And that's a fight that I think if you want to get a good sample of what Vittori can do over five rounds that, that takes place uh, mostly on the feet, that's that's a fight you can look at. And then, of course, the Holland fight, path of least resistance, 11 takedowns. You know, he beats him, beats him up on the ground. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was kind of an easy strategy against Holland because we've seen that work in the past. That it worked against, uh, you know, in Holland's previous fight against Brunson, whatever, weeks prior. So uh, I think Vittori has, has really utilized a, a strong fight IQ since that fight against Israel, and he's four years older now. Um, and again, I'm not trying to take away from Israel's fight IQ. He's got tremendous fight IQ. He says he already, he's already figured out uh, Vittori's wrestling style when, when I talked to him this week. So that's what's going to make this such an interesting fight, because I think both these guys have evolved a lot, and both of these guys yep. have two of the sharpest fight IQs in the game. I, I don't think Vittori gets enough credit for it, to be honest. Yeah, no, like I mentioned, I think Vittori is one of the best that does the striking and the grappling and putting it together really well. He's a, he's a complete mixed martial artist. And what I like about him is the strength and the, the stubbornness. I mean, you got to be a stubborn guy and, you know, no more stubborn than, a, than an Italian. So, I mean, the fact that he can come in and just fight his fight, like I said, that big head. I mean, Italians got big heads, so – and they're hard. We have a rumor of having hard heads as Italians, so – I think that's uh, going to be one of his keys. Well, Vittori does seem like a hard-headed individual, but I'm not talking about his head. I'm talking just as his personality. Yeah, They're, both. Yeah. Come on, Italians. <laughs> come on. I can say it because I'm Italian. Yeah, I well, I can't. We I, can say that he, I can say that he's hard-headed in the sense that he, uh, he seems to be a, a very um, emotional guy. But uh, yeah. when They he, call when... it testa dura, meaning like hard-headed, and yeah. he had a knock on something. <laughs> testa dura. I mean, that's nice, like a hard-headed <laughs> So well, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. If you watched the last episode of Embedded, they, they ran into each other in the lobby, and it was pretty cordial, but also a, a bit of gamesmanship going into it. You know, Israel yeah. saw Vittori, walked up to him, shook his hand, and said, you know, commented on his Dolce & Gabbana sponsorship, and, and said, oh, you're not wearing a belt, and Vittori said, I'm going to take your belt. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it's calm, it's cool, yeah, I liked him. I, I feel part... like he's in Izzy a little bit. I feel like he's got Izzy bothered a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. But... Slightly. I know he says no, but there isn't. Because I saw him, I hate that guy. I was like, oh, there's some hatred in there deep inside brewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think that, I think Israel doesn't like that Vittori thinks he won the first fight. Because, I mean, let's be honest. If you watch that fight back, he didn't win the first fight. I mean, that, that yeah. wasn't a, that was, I think, a clear two rounds to one. Yeah. And he's like, stop taking, you know accomplishment in one judge you know it's like I, I get it i mean but it's it got him the fight it sold him everyone keeps talking about it being uh you know is he one of his toughest fights but so eh, he sold himself well so he got it yeah my favorite part of their confrontation in the hotel i, I tweeted this yesterday was uh you see lauren murphy in the background looking at them like uh oh what happens if this like, goes down right now and she's yeah. like just there her and her husband yeah. are there. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, tough. Oh, what do I do? She's tough. She knows what she's doing, but not maybe against those I don't those think guys. she's getting between those two. Not those two. But, but that, that being said, somebody could say to her, why didn't you, why didn't you drop, try to stop it? 
You know, yeah, she, yeah. She, I think that was going through her mind. It was like, oh, okay, well, this could go should sideways. I, what do I do? Do I, do I try to be a hero? Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm sure like even sometimes with Glory, I mean, guilty. And I mean, hopefully Glory doesn't hear this. But there's sometimes Todd and I will look at each other and be like, let's hope they fight or push each other at this because it's uh, at the weigh-in or something because it's, it's excitement. It's fun. If you go to a weigh-in and somehow a fight breaks out. There's more eyes. There's more attention. It ends up being good for the company. So we're like, we just need that little spark sometime, you know, like just do something. We're going to talk a little glory later on because there's some big news in that realm. Big uh, but time. Let's go to the co-main event. Uh, Davis and Figueredo minus 210 against uh, Brandon Moreno plus 175. Uh, this is an interesting one. I, I, I rewatched the first fight and I think I had it scored, pro- you know, the same, which was 48-46 for Figueredo. Uh, and that's after the point deduction. That said, it could. I think a draw is a totally justifiable scorecard uh, for that one, given the point deduction. I think you could have given Moreno the second round. I think basically it came down to the second round and how you scored that one, if I recall. Um, but uh, looking at uh, Moreno and Figueredo, I don't. I don't think that was the same Figueredo in that fight. I don't think that was the Figueredo that we're accustomed to. Um, my TSN edge dart of the week is Figueredo by submission at plus seven hundred. I think that that's uh, you know just good value for a possible outcome. But uh, I, I, I like this fight a lot. I can't wait to watch it. I, I love the first fight. And I think this one has the same uh, recipe to, to be dynamic as well. Yeah, I actually, um, I'm with this one kind of uh, gut feeling Moreno a little bit. I think, I don't know, something about him, the way he, I, I get sometimes influenced by the countdown shows and stuff like that. And I kind of really glance at the technique and the style. And, and I think Moreno's sharp. I think his hands are good. I think Figueredo. Um, we, you know what to expect with his power. And, and I do think, yeah, a submission, if you're going to bet a submission by Figueredo, if it's going to go within the distance, but I don't know. I just, something about Moreno gives me a little bit of, um, I don't know, something about him, the Mexican, the watching his hands on the pads, the way he moves his personality. Uh, I think he's going to come in there and that was going to be maybe one kind of uh, bet. I kind of go in an underdog and uh, actually pick Moreno. Yeah, I, I hear that. That makes sense. I'm trying to remember who I heard pick Moreno recently. I was watching something. And I heard something. Yeah, I, I, I just don't remember. know. It's something about him. I mean, his, his, the way he moves, his confidence, his hands. I saw him on the, with his coach on the boxing mitts looking sharp. I mean, that means nothing, obviously. But uh, I don't know. I just uh, I like him. Something about him. Something. He's all into his Funko Pops, whatever those things are. <laughs> I saw him and Izzy talking about Israel, it. Yeah, Israel's into them, too. I don't understand. Why do you buy something that just sits in a box? You know, as a, and then they're like, "Do you take them out of the box?" And they're like, "No, never." No, no, no you don't so take them do out of the box. You just look at them. I'm taking right. them out of the box. You got to no. keep them in the box. Uh, what else we got? Of course, Nate Diaz making his return against Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is a minus six hundred favorite, big favorite against Nate Diaz. Uh, I, the the thing I like in this fight is the uh, over three and a half rounds at minus one twenty. I think this goes over three and a half rounds, no problem. Do you like that uh, they decided to go five rounds? Is this a Nate Diaz decision or is this a UFC decision to make this a five-rounder? Well, I think what happened was they had it as, as the co-main event uh, for UFC 262 and it got pushed back a month. But I think that, uh, you know, because it was kind of a feature fight, they, they made it five rounds for 262. And then when they moved it to 263, they probably said to the fighters, you want to keep it five rounds? They said, sure. And then there, there you go. I don't think it's I don't think it's anything too complicated. But it was, you said it was a co-main event or it was supposed to be the main event? It was supposed event? to be the co-main event of 262. And it was the first but that time. would still be a three-rounder. Though. It would be. But they, they had made that. Uh, I had asked Dana White back in December when they had Ferguson versus Oliveira if they had considered doing five-round non-title co-main events in, you know, before. And he said that they, they had talked about it. And then like a couple of months later, they announced that that was going to be a five-round co-main event. So yeah. I guess they had, they had been talking about it and decided to do that. Now it's not even a co-main event and it's still five rounds. But I like it. I'm happy with that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think if you are in the top five and you are potentially a fight that kind of builds you in as a contender fight, I think it should be five rounds because one, it tells you a lot about the person. Three round fighter, there's three round fighters and there's five round fighters. Those two rounds, I know to some people are a huge advantage. If you're a power aggressive striker, three rounds versus five is a big deal. So, I mean, if you're one fight away from a championship, I think it's nice to test the guy. And two, it gives Leon Edwards or Diaz a chance to prep for a five-round pace, a five-round fight. So now when they get the title shot, they'll be a little bit more well-prepared mentally and physically. So well, I me, like it. Let me add add to that, which is when you have a fight like this that would easily headline a fight night card, and the reason you're not putting it on a fight night card is because Nate Diaz is a draw. You know, those fight night cards main events are always five rounds. 
So if if you're doing yeah. if you're having him on the pay per view just because like because you know he's a draw, but it's the same kind of set of circumstances like you said. Like Dana White today uh, this week said the winner of Edwards versus Diaz will probably get the next shot after Colby uh, against Usman. So you know like the, the the stakes are high for this one. And I like it being a five round fight. Yeah. Uh, do you think it goes five? I do. I think it'll go the distance. Um, but I particularly like the over three and a half at minus one twenty. I think that's a, a, a fairly safe. But I mean, Nate Diaz has been finished once by Josh Thompson, and that's it, right? Like uh, the Masvidal fight finished early. Oh, and Masvidal right? fight. That was a doctor stoppage. That's right. Yeah, he was finished yeah. in that fight. I, I think I think can Leon if Masvidal can put that much of a beating on uh, on Diaz and get the finish, it wouldn't be crazy to say uh, Leon Edwards can do the same. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but what's how many wins inside the distance does Leon have? He has. One against Peter Sabota, and that was with one second left in the fight. He has a submission against Albert Tumanov. That was also in the third round. So, and that, was, that would have been an over... Uh, actually, I said over three and a half, right? Yeah, that, that would have been uh, in the last two minutes of the fight. And he has one eight-second knockout against Seth Bakchinski uh, in, back in the day. But he's not known to be a finisher, and Nate Diaz isn't the guy who gets finished very often. So I think Nate has the durability to hang with him over the course of five rounds. Yeah, no, I hope so. I think that's where, if you're going to see the best fight, I think it's going to be rounds four and five will be wild. If it gets to that pace and, and Nate Diaz is still in the fight in round four and five, you're, we got something special for sure. I'm with you, yeah. There's a lot of potential for special fights oh. on this card. Um, oh, yeah. What could be the final fight of Demian Maya's career is a plus 185 underdog to Bilal Muhammad. And like I say all the time, Maya by submissions plus 405. If you can get Damien, like Damien Maya by submission is something you should always just take. Because yeah. <laughs> all it takes is like a second and one mistake, and that's the way the fight ends. Yeah, yeah, but you're talking. I'm on, uh, even with me and my team, we text each other uh, after uh, Bilal's uh, fights, and we're like, we're all on that train. We all, Bilal's really good. We all think Bilal Mohammed has something special. So, like, I mean, it, it's hard to bet against him. I know Maya, the, the jiu-jitsu master he is, but... Something about Bilal Muhammad, his, uh, his style is fun, his pressure fighting, he'll, he'll hit you hard, take you down. Um, I think there's something special in uh, Muhammad. I think we'll see him climb very quickly. Well, Bilal said something really interesting uh, in the Anatomy of a Fighter. They did a 30-minute one on, on him leading up to this fight. And he said, with Demi and Maya, what a lot of people do when they face him is if, if he takes you down, he'll try to make it so that you give up your back. He'll push his head into you. He does, has all these little tricks that he uses. And he says, you know, if Demian, if Demian takes me down, I might lose that round purposely. Like, I might just, like, accept that I've lost that round and then come back in the later rounds and beat him. He goes, I, you know, I, I think that when people show too much of a sense of urgency against Demian Maia, that's where he finds that, that split second where he can catch you. I mean, he even managed yeah. to get Kamaru Usman's back, right? Like, yeah. Maia is so slick. But Muhammad having that kind of awareness, I think, is really interesting. Yeah, I, I just think now with with Maya was something special a few years ago, you know, and I think now that to be a, a jiu-jitsu specialist now isn't – you need more than that. You need a little bit more wrestling to just sit there and, and be Maya comfortable on really your back. Maya has really good wrestling though. Maya's gotten – like Maya has won three of his last four, and he's like – how old is he? He's, he's 43. He's won three yeah, of his who, last four. Against who? Lyman Good, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, and Ben Askren. Okay. And those are good wins. He, he got so, knocked yeah. out by Gilbert Burns last year. He's taken a year off since then. And then if you look at... So every, here, here are the welterweights that he's lost to in his career. He's, uh, he's lost to... And every single one of them has challenged or has won a championship. Jake Shields, Rory McDonald, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns. Those are the guys he's lost to at welterweight. Yeah. Just elite, elite guys. Yeah, losses though, right? Losses, but who's? But he's also beaten title challengers. He's beaten Masvidal. He's beaten Carlos Condit. He's well. But, but that's like I mean, a little older now. Things have changed in three years, four years, five years, however long those fights have been. I don't know, but yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But I, I just think now the modern game of MMA. Um, I don't think a, a Maya that would come like a, a current Maya wouldn't be as dominant now as he was, you know, five, ten years. Yeah, ago. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So things are developing, and Bilal is one of those guys that's one of those now modern martial artists that could put everything together very well. For sure. Yeah, I'm not picking it, but like, just to make it clear, I'm not picking against Bilal Muhammad, but I think if you if you see a line, and basically oh, yeah. anytime no, Demian Maia is like plus 300 or higher by submission, you may as well just take it. Like, yeah. <laughs> even if it's as an insurance plan uh, you know, for, for Bilal Muhammad. 
You know, if yeah. you're going to bet mean, on Bull Muhammad, take that as like a, just a, just, to, just a little case. hedge bet. What yeah, do they call it? The hedge, hedge bet? Yeah, hedge. hedge your bet yeah. there? Yeah. No, I agree. I like that. Like, honestly, sometimes even on uh, when I'm playing, I like to sprinkle even a couple dollars here. I mean, sometimes it's $2 on a on a plus 100. Who cares? It's two bucks at that point. You hit it. You hit it. Anything happens with one punch in the in, in the fight game. So it's worth sometimes uh, putting a couple bucks on those. And we'll stick with that same narrative where you've got Jamal Hill. He's a minus, about a minus 300 favorite against Paul Craig. Craig by submissions plus 500. Take that too. I yeah, mean, like why Craig, not? Craig is like, he's able to sub all these guys at, at light heavyweight. That's really his only path to victory. So if you like Craig to win the fight, at, I mean, at plus 245, may as well just take the plus 500 and get taken by sub. Don't, don't bet too much on it, but I, I think that's yeah. the way you look at it. Yeah, I'm actually just been really impressed with Hill. Um, trying to think who his last fight was. It was Walker. Was it Johnny Walker? No. No, Jamal Hill's last fight was, it was uh, someone against good. Uh, o- OSP. OSP, yeah, it was a very good fight. I, and finished him quick, too, I believe, right? First I round? Think it was, I don't think it was first round, but I, th- I think it might have been second round. Second. Let me, Regardless, let me I was like, he comes out like so like slow. He looks sleepy to me all the time. Looks like he's tired. Then he comes in there and he just destroys you. Yeah, second round TKO. Just destroys you. I'm telling you, he comes in. I was like, this guy always looks tired and flat. And, and then all of a sudden, just how long and how rangy he is. He's kind of like, was it the, the broadcast saying last time? There was kind of like a, a Johnny Walker vibe to him where he was kind of finishing everybody, doing well. Um, uh, I think I don't think he has that many finishes. But uh, he certainly has – he certainly has uh, the pedigree of a good prospect in this division for sure. I, and I think that uh, – but Paul Craig, I mean, he just he, he has the answer for everybody in this division, which is submission skills. You know, like at light heavyweight, there are not that many guys that are good at defending submissions or even practicing uh, defending submissions. But there's some real beef between these guys. Like Jamal Hill confronted him at fighter meetings. Like he, he, Jamal Hill does not like this guy. This is like the most mm-hmm. angry I've seen him get at anybody. Was there a, a scenario that happened to create it? Or apparently, Paul Craig's fans have just been like very relentless towards him on social media and have said racist stuff to him, and he's he's just not happy. Just not having <laughs> it. He's huh? not having it. Eh, all right. Maybe that extra motivation. I don't know why Paul Craig is to blame for his fan base, but, you know, it just is what it is. It's not like he's out there saying, like, shocking stuff on the mic about Jamal Hill. He's, Paul Craig's a pretty, like, quiet guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's Hill bringing that Jordan vibe in here, looking for that yeah, reason for to motivation. get angry, looking yeah, exactly. for motivation. You know, take it. Take what you need. Uh, here's, a, here's a good fight. Uh, Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. Dober, a, a pretty small, you know, kind of a small favorite, minus 145. Uh I feel like people are are not giving Dober enough credit here. I, he had that bad loss to Islam Makhachev, but I don't think that that is an indication of how good of a fighter this guy is. No, I agree with you. I think he was it Rogan in in the commentary saying this kid's the next big thing, and he was like hyping him up to be something. Uh, no, Dober, I believe. Oh, he was, Dober's he was been around high, for some time. He's been hot, but he was highly yeah. speaking of him like extra. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? Dober like, had the hot hand for a while. Yeah, so I mean, I like Dober. Stud, good-looking kid, fights hard, good power. But we have to remember, Riddell is the striking coach at uh, City Kickboxing. So, I mean, he he might have an advantage on the feet, but I think Dober has the ability to take him down. Yeah, that whole Vittori look to me, he's kind of like a Vittori to me. Strong, can come forward, hits hard, can grapple, explosive if he needs to be. I mean, Dober's in the gym training with Kamaru Usman and uh, Justin Gaethje every day. I mean, (laughs) you know, this this guy's got some uh, some good training partners. Oh, uh, he's with Whitman. That's kind of awesome. And now I don't know if he's with Whitman or if he's with Team Elevation, but they cross train with each other. Okay, I was going to say Whitman's no longer doing the analyst role with the UFC. That's all Dean now. now, Yeah, Dean isn't coaching that many UFC fighters right now. He kind of left American Top Team. It looks like he's kind of transitioning over to a role with the UFC. He's also doing Dan Hardy's old role on. uh, Unlocking the Octagon or whatever it's called. Unlocking, I forget what it's called. The one with John Gooden. Okay. Inside the Octagon. He's he's inside the octagon. doing Inside the Octagon with John Gooden now. So um, it looked like Dean Thomas is kind of taking on that role. Yeah, it's good for it. I actually like it because he kind of brings like a a cool little funny vibe to it. And well, he's taken like acting good. and comedy classes. He's got like a good. Right. He's got a good. Uh, good sense on camera. He knows what yeah, but do. Trevor, Trevor was good too, though. Trevor just had that little insight that was nice too. Both, both were actually really good for the job. So happy with both. I think you could, you could uh, do that job. If they, they threw to you in the striking realm and said, "What do you see?" I would here, like Joe? to. Be yeah. Fun. Good. Right. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lobbying for you. There you go. <laughs> Joanne Calderwood minus one forty. 
Lauren Murphy plus 120. I think the line should be flipped here. I think Murphy should be the favorite. You know, whenever I look at these fights at flyweight and you've got a former bantamweight, and I mean, I say this so often that, like, people are probably getting sick of it. But when you've got a former bantamweight against a former strawweight, more often than not, the former bantamweight wins at, at flyweight. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of people I've been, I've been kind of uh, reading up before the show, and a lot of the uh, experts are, t are taking Murphy as well. I mean, who knows? I, I'm not... Uh, I like Joanne Calderwell. Calderwell. I know someone named Calderwell. Joanne Calderwell. Sorry, uh, but uh, Joanne Calderwood. She's good. She's striking. She knows her stuff. I don't know. I'm. Uh, I just think I'm with you. I think Murphy could just uh, gets it done. We got uh, Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. Uh, Anders a minus one fifty favorite, and I think the the people that made these lines are kind of overcorrecting the steering wheel here. Anders was about to finish that fight. Although they've, they've since, well, no, they have Anders inside the distance as plus 205. So I guess the, the people have, have, are on to this now because they've moved the line. But uh, for a while, they had like Anders by K, by, oh, sorry, inside the distance was like plus 165. And uh, the fight goes to a decision was like even money. Now it's minus 130. But I think this one goes to a decision. I think getting that at minus 130 is almost a gift. Yeah, Darren Stewart is just, he comes to fight though. That, that's the thing. He'll come, he'll start swinging. He leaves his chin open, which kind of scares me sometimes, but he kind of has a durable one. Um, yeah, I, I think this uh, could easily be one of the, the fight of the nights that we talk about next week. Mozar Evloev, minus 230. Hakeem Dawadu, plus 190. I spoke to Hakeem yesterday, and man, like, when you talk to him, you just don't think there's any chance that he's going to lose the fight. Like, he's just, yeah. he talks about it as if it's already done. Like, the fight's, he's already won. And when you yeah. have that kind of confidence, it's like, it's hard to ignore. And what's uh, his opponent? Evolev? Yeah. Mostly uh, a wrestling-based fighter. Okay. He's got very good takedowns. I believe he's undefeated, if I'm not mistaken. I'm actually just looking that up now. He is, yeah, 14-0. He's an undefeated fighter. But he just got off of a split decision against Nick Lentz, although really that should not have been a split decision. That was just a terrible scorecard. But uh, all of his wins are decisions, unanimous decisions. He's going to try to wrestle you. Like, the game plan is pretty... Pretty straightforward. And Hakeem, the power, the striking. Yeah. I, I just hope, uh, I don't know, I just, I, I've always want with, with Hakeem, I think, and, and Canada, I think he has the potential to be one of the guys to really lead the Canadian MMA scene. So I really, you know, I'm confident in, in what he can do. I just hope, you know, sometimes it's like give the guy not the worst fight for him, you know. Give, give him something that could build a little bit. You well, that's know? what we that, talked to him about yesterday. He already start. has an opponent in mind after this. Would you like to guess who it is? Uh, if I see the featherweights, uh, I'm assuming he's going to go with someone that's in a ranking. Uh, I personally, looking now, I think two stand out to me. Let's see if you get I'll like, give you two uh, guesses. I like Shane Burgos and Giga Chikadze. You, you got it. Giga Chikadze. He was actually lined up to, to face Burgos recently. Uh, but then Burgos lost that fight. I don't think Hakeem wants to face someone coming off a loss. But yeah, he he wants Giga Chikadze next. Yeah, I like I like those, and I also like uh, I like Barboza. Sadiq Youssef could be fun too. Youssef would be good too. Yeah, but you're taking the two Nigerians the division and putting I them know, against each other. I know, no beef, no beef. Yeah, they're all they're all sticking together, which I like. You know, I like I that, that. Uh, they're 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 building uh, like a UFC community and it's gaining steam. I like it. Absolutely, good stuff. Um, all right, I, I don't know if there's anything uh, else we need to touch on on this card. Um, anything in Bellator or, or the PFL stick out to you? I know we've got uh, Clarissa Shields' first fight uh, coming up. She she opens like a minus six or seven hundred favorite. She's down to minus two thirty five. Yeah, no, I, that's that's the one I'm just most excited for. I think uh, just to see Clarissa compete for the first time, a um, lot of confidence. She, uh, that, I don't know, just to see what uh, – I'm always curious. It's, it's always been that thing for me. It's like if you get a phenomenal boxer, boxers are good with range. I know they don't know kicks and take down the fence, but she's an, an Olympic athlete. And I think the, the word athlete is just like she's a phenomenal athlete. She's probably overall one of the best female athletes, you know, that you can say when it comes to combat sports. So if she can use her, her mindset that she got from boxing, her – you know, she's fought probably. I don't. I can make this up, but over a hundred amateur fights oh, probably yeah, in her yeah, career. Likely. You know, on her way up to the Olympics, so she knows what the ring is. She knows what fighting is, and a lot of fighting is the mindset. How nervous are you before the fight? Uh, you know, what did you eat? She knows all that stuff. It's comfortable for her, and this is why I always say with Izzy, 
He's like, he's got 80, 90 kickboxing fights. They know what fighting is. And, and mixed martial arts is still very new to kick than the kickboxing. So these UFC guys have 10 fights, 12 fights. An experienced UFC guy has, what, 15, 20 fights? If you have 20 fights, that's a lot of MMA fights. A kickboxer gets that within his first two years yeah, of, of competing, or you Muay know? Thai. Like, I'm sure Hakeem yeah. Taladu probably has 90. Oh, Hakeem's Muay Thai easily fights. amateur. If you put all of his amateur kickboxing fights together with his, some of his pro stuff, he's got a lot so it's it's not it's not new to, to, to clarissa and these types of fighters so i think that that's where it's going to give her some confidence but i don't know when she gets like the i don't even know if they'll ever fight but the kayla harrison's as an example where someone who's so good with wrestling that's fight. where she's going to get a problem I don't think they'll right fight. that's the issue for me I think it's like when uh, she gets that dominant wrestlers that's when she'll have problems yeah, i think kayla harrison is, is donezo after this season i think she's going to go to the ufc or bellator I, it just seems like every time i talk to her it seems like she is not like she's not happy with the, the promotion. That's yeah. just that's just what I get out of like that. That's that's what I get from it. But I mean, this I mean, if you look at this line, I mean, you can get Claressa by KO at like minus one thirty five. Doesn't that seem like a gift? I mean, the, the fighter she's fighting is like has like a three and six record. She's known yeah. for being a good grappler, but at the same time, this isn't grappling. I mean, if you take a, a gold medal, like an Olympic gold medalist, let's say you're taking an Olympic gold medalist in like swimming. They're like a whatever at the butterfly, one one hundred and fifty meter butterfly or something like that, and you say, okay, we want you to focus your attention now on this type of swimming. They're still going to be able to do like be a master at it because of like the amount of work they put in to become an Olympic gold medalist at something. Like that yeah. work ethic cannot be taught. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean. I'm interested. I, I, I like it. I, I've always been a big believer in, one, to be the best fighter, yes, you have to have a, be a good martial artist, but you also have to be a good athlete. And I think that's uh, when you can put both of those together, that's what your world champion is. It's the athlete with the martial arts skills and IQ. Uh, Anthony Pettis off the card. He fell ill, so he has right. his fight rescheduled. So it's actually an interesting situation because you had a, a, a matchup that was made between uh, Natan Schultz and uh, I forget the uh, the other individual's name. He was basically Nathan Schultz was going to fight the person. Um, he and Schultz is the godfather of their child. That's who he was going to really? fight. Like one of his best friends, he was going to fight because Jeez. Schultz's opponent fell out, and uh, they needed a replacement. And that that guy had fought on the previous card and got, had a win, so they they put him in there and they had agreed to fight each other, even though they're like best friends. And then Pettis fell ill, so what they did was they took Pettis's opponent, put him against Schultz, and now. Pettis is going to face Schultz's best friend like at PFL 6 down the, down the road. So, Jeez. Thankfully, they dodged the bullet there because I, I imagine it must have been very mentally taxing on them to know that that, that was going to be a fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that's unfortunate. But, hey, when uh, PFL tells you there's lots of money on the line, you do what you got to yeah, do. Especially when you already have a win um, as a replacement from the previous card. Like you're, Now you're in it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting turn of events there. But uh, Clay Collard uh, fighting again. You got Bubba Jenkins back at it. A lot of good fights on uh, on tonight's card. I, I uh, I'm looking forward to that greatly. And uh, Olivier Aubon Mercier back in action, and uh, he's walking around with a, a shirt with a QR code on it. Where if you like his performance, you can tip him in in cryptocurrency. You scan yeah. the QR code on the TV, and you can tip him. He's a smart yeah, he's, idea. He's he's a character. He's, he's a, a character. Guy. I like that. He's guy. definitely a character. I like it. And um, I don't know if they, if this, ha yeah, they they also replaced Lance Palmer was supposed to be facing Jesse Stern, and Palmer was a ten to one favorite, and then Movlet Khaibulayev's opponent Shaman Rice fell out, and now they've matched up Palmer with with Khaibulayev. Khaibulayev is like an undefeated stud, and and now now you've got Lance Palmer who already has a loss in this season after becoming a two time millionaire. He might not make the playoffs yeah. if he can't beat this guy who's yeah, just a yeah. total destroyer. Yeah, that maybe all that money now got Lance Palmer being too comfortable. Well, I don't even know about that. Like they just kind of pulled the switcheroo on him, and uh, I, that's why you got to train hard for these fights because you just never know. Week of, they could they could put you in a much tougher position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everyone now with COVID, everyone this last year's kind of been prepared for that. It's kind of like one, we need paydays. Everyone's dropping from COVID and all that stuff. So I mean, I think. Once you're a fighter and you're experienced at that point, let's just go. All right, Bellator, let's you got a, go. a, an interesting one. Douglas Lima, minus 120 favorite against Yaroslav Almasov, who I believe is 25-0. and 0. Uh, oh, Tough matchup for Lima. Looking forward to that one. Paul Daly facing Jason Jackson. I believe that's the co-main event. It's 175 pounds. The Paul Daly division, as he calls it. Yeah, why? He just doesn't he, want to cut like, that last five? He doesn't want to cut that last five. He says, anybody who wants to fight me yeah. at 175, here I am. 
good for yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. If you, can, yeah. if you can get it, get it. I always uh, said that because I was a uh, I was supposed to fight Paul Daly with my Glory kickboxing day years ago, and I'm just I can't believe to me he's almost like a a guy that's been around for so many years, and I can't believe he's still doing it. Yeah, that's he's good. that's he's Paul Daly. Yeah, that's Paul Daly to me, and I like 175. That's actually I was talking to someone the other day. I'm like that would be my new weight class, 175. There you go. Yeah, uh, me and Daly. You and Daly should hook it up. Triller, yeah. That's what I call. Some boxing, some of that Triller boxing. I got to get my hands on that Triller boxing money. That's what I need. Uh, Nick Newell is a minus one thirty favorite against Bobby King. You got Taiwan Claxton back in action. Uh, Aaron Pico's back, taking on Aiden Lee. Kyle Crutchmer. This is a good card as well. So uh, I, I like and that's the, tonight as well, right? That's on Friday, actually. That's tomorrow. Friday. All right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, yeah, I like that Bellator has started to kind of stack there on undercards. You know, there used to be no reason to watch a Bellator undercard unless you knew somebody was fighting on the card. So it's yeah, good, yeah. you get to see that they're starting to stack those up. I, li- I like to see that. Um, yeah, things are growing. All right, so um, let's talk about uh, the fantastic boxing exhibition over the weekend uh, between Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Did you watch it? I did watch it. You were, did you watch it? That you were I, more. You didn't even know it. it was on last I didn't, week. I didn't know it was on, but then you told me it was on, and I watched it. And, 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 and I would have found out about it because everybody was talking about it. Of course, the day of. Definitely. You don't want that FOMO. Yeah, you don't want FOMO, and you on Twitter, you probably couldn't escape it. Oh yeah. Well, no, no. I I actively watched it. I went and watched it. But listen, it was what it was, and it was you know, it's one of those ones where you walk away at the end dissatisfied, knowing that you know they 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 got you. They got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got sucked. You got into got, it. and yeah. then, and then I've got all these guys that in in the MMA space. All these guys, different guys in media. I, I come out and I say, "What's it going to take for this bubble to burst?" And people are like, "Well, Muhammad Ali fought Antonio Inoki, and then in 1888, this guy who gave out newspapers fought this guy. This is not a bubble. This is a thing that's been happening. It is a bubble. <laughs> this it, we have not seen this happen with this kind of consistency and this kind of popularity ever." Yeah, yeah, in our lifetime, maybe in Japan, they say in Japan. Okay, I'll give it to you. We're not in Japan. We're in North America. Yeah. This is a bubble that will burst. We're I not going to so. keep seeing yep. these fights over and over again if they're not going to live up to people's expectations. People aren't going to keep paying fifty or sixty bucks to watch joke fights. They're just not. People don't want to watch. Like it was great to see Mike Tyson fight that one time, but if you're going to call it a draw at the end, and you're going to call this Mayweather versus Logan Paul a draw, and you paid all this money, there's no judges. Like people are not going to be on board for this forever. This is a yeah. bubble. I, yeah. I don't care if you if you want to cite examples of this happening in the past. Great. It's happened in the past. Gladiators fought whatever it is in the 1800s, 1700s. Like, you, you can cite past examples of all kinds of different stuff happening. Like, remember those night fights that they had at, K, at M1 Global? Oh, <laughs> this isn't a bubble. Knights fought in the 1700s. We have, we have documented history of it. Yeah, it's a bubble. It, this, is a, this is something that has suddenly become this big thing. It wasn't a big thing 10 years ago. Maybe it happened on occasion. But right now, it's a thing that's happening every single month. We're getting these fights. We're getting Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. We're getting Logan, uh, Jake Paul against Ben Askren, Jake Paul against Tyron Woodley now. We're getting Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather. And I'm sure you're going to get a rematch of that because these guys want more money and people are going to buy it again. But eventually, something's going to happen that ends this whole debacle. Because that's what it yeah. is. It's a debacle. Yeah. It's a disruption, and it's great. And I'm, I'm happy for these guys making their money. i got no problem with it. Whatever. And I don't think it's bad for boxing. I don't think it's bad for MMA. I, I'm not one of those people either. I just think that it's a bubble and it's going to burst. We can't have yeah. this forever. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. And I mean, I I knew, I thought if anything, Mayweather would have at least finished him to the body a little bit, give it a little bit more excitement as it should have been. Now you have, you know, the Paul brothers running and cheering that they, you know, went the, all the rounds. It's whatever. They're hyping themselves up. It is what it is. So it's an I embarrassment, they caught everyone. Floyd, in my opinion. That's embarrassing that he yeah. can't finish a YouTuber. But like, I mean, like I said, he let him go though. Like, why? I mean, it's it's. I don't know. It's it, it is embarrassing. But we, why would a Floyd finish him too? Like, would we look at Floyd after and be like, look at you, you just kind of beat up this guy who? Yeah, that's what he should one? be doing. He, <laughs> he knocked out ten, he knocked out tension in the first round. Yeah. What, why I was he able to knock out tension in the first dangerous. round and not this guy? Yeah. He, and he, even those bombs he was throwing to the head, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's coming!" Like he missed on purpose. Like he didn't. If he wanted to hit you with a lunging left hook. He's gonna. He would have hit you with a lunging left hook if he wanted to. Floyd knows that he's gonna. That looking human is good for him because now he's gonna get another one of these paydays, and we're all gonna buy it again. We're all gonna be. We're all gonna be suckers again. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna be suckers. Well, well I so would like to be part of there, the group that gets the suckers to pay, and I can compete. Yeah. Like, like I, I didn't mind. I'll be honest. I really, really enjoyed the fight 
before the co-main event, before Body Jack. It was one of, honestly, fantastic, oh, that was exciting. A great fight. Yeah. I, I love that fight. The one well, Can you remember the name know. of the boxers? Can you remember what their names are? Uh, zero. Zero exactly. percent. So when they fight yeah. again, are you going to remember? Like if they're fighting again on Showtime. Because that's uh, what, why I you... can remember the look, but I don't know if But that's I why they book names. these things. Is Oh, we we're going to bring attention to the guys on the undercard. Don't yeah, remember yeah. their names. Yeah. I, I did, what did. You, what did you think of Ocho Cinco? He didn't do bad. Yeah, he got knocked okay. out against okay, that bare knuckle but... guy, but he moved pretty good. He moved like a boxer. Like you would, if you didn't know who Ocho Cinco was, you'd be like, that guy's a boxer, you know? Yeah, but if he was facing a real boxer, he'd be on his, he'd be on his butt. Yeah, and he got knocked bad with that big right yeah. hand, which is what should happen. Right. You know, what should that's happen. What, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to last forever, but uh, it's exciting while it is at some point. But uh, I don't know. I, I more think the fight should be more like this, um, the Paul versus Woodley. To me, that makes more sense. It's a competitive fight. It actually, I think, going as a professional record, there's going to be judges. That's the type of uh, the fighting. At least I, um, a little bit more intrigued about. Yeah, it's intriguing, but eventually, like people are going to give up on this thing. Like it's just they can't last forever. I don't think. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, and maybe maybe boxing now goes into two facets where you've got like real boxing and you got like this fun stuff. And maybe maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But I, I do believe it to be a bubble, and I do believe it to, to not be something that we've – like, we weren't seeing this 10 years ago on, on a frequent basis. I'm talking about frequency. We haven't seen this with this kind of frequency in our lifetimes. Yeah. And it's happening quite frequently. What, what's crazy to me, I think the Woodley, Paul, the Woodley fights in, what, a month? Yeah. It's fast. and I, I don't know. They're booked these things, and they go quick, and I yeah, think that's the Jake advantage. Paul? Tyron That's Woodley. the advantage that of is. Jake Paul now. Get Woodley while he's kind of – don't give him a full camp. Don't let him get too comfortable. Kind of call him out and go. Yeah, let's see what the date on that is. Hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. That is taking place – what date is, is the fight? Why August, didn't this, maybe? Why didn't it just come up right away? Come on, Google. Uh, he has a, agreed to fight him. Oh, it's fight date. August 28th. So we still got some time. Oh, August 28th. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. All right. So – there you go. So that's uh, yeah, you got we got a little bit of time before that one. So, uh, but I, I'm just curious what's gonna like. I mean, if Woodley beats Jake Paul twice, uh, is it over? Like, are people gonna stop paying attention to Jake Paul? Yeah, I don't know. That's Kenny. The first question is Kenny. Kenny beat him twice. Uh, yeah, and I understand the intrigue, no. and I'll watch it. Listen, I'm I'm yeah. I'm not saying that people should stop watching it. I just don't think it's gonna. It has the staying power that a lot of people think it does. And I and I and I also get annoyed when people try to correct me on Twitter. Like I don't know what I'm talking about. Like this is oh well, this happened many times in the past. Yeah, sure it did. But it's this right now. We're in in a stage where it's happening with such frequency that it has become like a a, a thing that. Is happening with continuity, which it never was before. Maybe in yeah. Japan again. Maybe in Japan, but I don't, I don't live in Japan. I don't know what boxing and pro wrestling and all that stuff in Japan has been like. Yeah, and even there, there's always speculation that a lot of those pride fights were rigged, anyways, and wrestling, and who knows? It was entertainment. Like, do you think in the U.S. they would have allowed, you know, Mighty Mo fight Kalkai? Mighty Mo was what, 300 pounds? Kalkai yeah. was 170 pounds? Like, exactly. That's or, entertainment. Or all the um, uh, Minowa Man fights, where Minowa Man yeah. was like, like Jose Consenco, yeah. yeah, you know, Hong Man Choi. You know, yeah. like it's and those, what yeah, it was. again, those happened in Japan. Those, but in North America, we haven't seen it where like Showtime, like a big company, is getting behind it like this. Yeah, well, I think a lot of those organizations, I think boxing outside of the the big main fights, kind of died a little bit. So maybe this was their way of trying to keep eyes on on boxing and keeping it growing. Is it good for boxing or is it bad for boxing? Right, that that's the question. Yeah, exactly. That is the question, and I think yeah. I don't know if it's bad for boxing. I think that. I think that the, the the people that are into boxing that are diehard boxing fans, I don't think it affects them one way or the other. And but I also don't think it's going to bring new fans to boxing. Like I don't think people are going to start watching like you know Showtime boxing cards with guys they've never heard of on it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the problem. And and I think a lot of the issues. I mean, like you got to think, Teofimo Lopez signed with Triller, right? Yeah. So he's going to be part of. You're talking about one of the best pound for pound kids right now. Is going to be fighting on with like this weird commentary. I think they just signed what Larry. Um, oh, uh, not is it Larry? Not Larry. No, not Larry Merchant. It's um, what's it? Jim Lampley. Jim Lampley from HBO. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, at least they're trying maybe to get a better boxing to make it a little bit more comfortable for for boxing enthusiasts. Maybe having a yeah, familiar voice. Th this is this is not a good idea because Triller. 
what they were trying to do is appeal to like the pop culture people, not the boxing people. And now if we're going to do a card with Teofimo Lopez, you got to have something weird on it. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if that's going to be your thing, because otherwise the people that watch boxing are just going to start hating you. Like if you're going to have Snoop Dogg on commentary and he's going to be singing and doing all kinds of stuff that is not like, you know, from a nor like it's not non-traditional in terms of the boxing world, people are going to resent you for it if you're a big boxing fan. And that's the, you have to watch Teofimo Lopez in that environment. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. I don't know what uh, the plan and why uh, Teofimo. Obviously, it's got to be a money thing. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I spoke to UFC President Dana White this week, and uh, I brought up the uh, I brought up Paulo Costa, who came out and said that they should be getting paid more, that they were promoting his fight without him signing on, that he wants more money for main events. I, I get where he's coming from, and I think that, you know, these guys all should get paid more money. I, I agree with that. But I think that his timing is not very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. What was Dana's response? I know we have to go and listen to it, but... Yeah, I mean, you can listen to the TSN MMA Show interview edition, which which yeah. has that interview along with interviews with Marvin Vittori, Israel Adesanya, Nate Diaz, Bilal Muhammad, Hakeem Dawood. You can go listen to that, but I will, I will, I will fill you in, Joe, since you yeah, have not yet. Tease, tease it for me. Uh, basically, he said that, he said that uh, if, if Paulo Costa wants to make YouTuber money, he should have started a YouTube channel when he was 13. Yeah, there you go. That's and pretty that, fun. Uh, and that, uh, you know, right now is not really the time to be asking for big money fights after how you got embarrassed by Israel. Yeah, good, good point. Well, I, I mean, good it's hard, point. It's hard, hard to fault them on that one. Hard to argue. And that's the crazy thing about the sport. I mean, you can be the hottest commodity once, lose once, and you don't want to get paid your, what you think it's worth. And I, and I honestly, even with all of this post-boxing stuff now and all the fight purses and all the money these guys are making, it's just making everyone question themselves, especially in the MMA. We're like, we're, we're damaging ourselves and we're getting paid. And I think it's slowly starting to irk some of these higher level guys and to see francis nagano even post about it like you're basically a ufc poster boy now you know the whole ufc there and then you're talking about how you wish you're getting paid more as well you have john jones asking for more money so sometimes it's not a, a great look you know when well, your the, athletes are continually the, problem complaining. Is, though, that the ufc have built they, they've they've built it in a way where the brand is bigger than the fighters yeah. and that if you don't want to fight there's always someone else who will and mm -hmm. Again, like I, we, we kind of went over this in the past with the economics of it is like if you if John Jones wants 20 million and Derek Lewis will do the same thing for 3 million, is the gap in the amount of money you can bring in wide enough that you would want to have him do it for 20 yeah. rather than but, Derek Lewis do it for three or four, whatever it is. But it's the issue if you're a champion, there should be some sort of if I'm the UFC, I would have some sort of language. I would say, hey, if you say anything that kind of tarnishes the name of the UFC, like you should be fined a little bit. No, like I. I but don't then know it becomes that... an even worse look. Because at least yeah, if the fighters are speaking out, whatever, you're... you're, you're... you're the champion. You're the heavyweight champion. You know, like you're the prized possession of all mixed martial arts and you're complaining about pay. You know, I, I, I agree with it. I think you should. But I'm just surprised the UFC is so, like, nonchalant with that kind of stuff. Oh, I guess Joe, it's have you ever two heard separate businesses. Come out and say, have you ever heard anybody come out and say that they should be paid less? No, but I heard like guys <laughs> like Daniel Cormier will always talk about how he's a business. He's a UFC guy now, but he's like the UFC always took care of me. The UFC was great. The UFC was amazing. So like he is a company man that talks. Very if you ask Paul Felder online, hey, how are you paid in the UFC, Paul Felder? Paul Felder's a company guy, and he'll say the UFC was great to me. They take care of me. Like so, that's kind of what the language is. Would they want to be paid more? A hundred million yeah. times, you know. So I think it's just as a company face sometimes. What I want to be paid a lot more from glory and that i you know publicly come out yeah i would like to say that but i mean i can't you know that's the way i look at it anyways mm -hmm. all right anything we didn't touch on joe anything uh anything uh no but I'm oh upset. yeah no 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 there's one thing we didn't touch on alistair overeem signs of the glory too. yeah i was just gonna say yeah okay. i was like uh overeem yeah we got him signed over to glory he did his this little promo uh where he kind of puts the mma gloves down puts the glory gloves on and he says he wants to retire in Holland in kickboxing, and I couldn't be more excited to, to call his fights in the future. And the fights, and uh, obviously people can speculate who he's going to be matched up with. Badahari, but uh, Verhoeven, insane. Just anyone, anyone, <laughs> it doesn't Rui. matter. You know, but uh, the big one obviously would be Rico. Um, again, I would love to see him in Botter, him in Attic Boy, him in Sadiq, and just any matchup you can think of uh, with him in the pitch is just, just fun. You know? Should he, just, should just he go fun. against Anderson Silva? 
which Anderson Silva? Braddock, of course. Well, Braddock. What Anderson Silva would I be talking about? That's a heavyweight kickboxer. Well, we well we had the other Anderson uh, uh, Silva come in and fight Rico, Bigfoot. No, that's Antonio, Antonio Silva. Silva. Antonio, Antonio Silva. Silva. He came in and fought Rico. I said Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. Yeah, Braddock. So Brodick is now with one FC, so we okay, can't use so him. No, they can't use him. No okay. Brodick. No Brodick. Brodick's okay. knocking people out in one. Not, not an option. But, All right. Uh, um, well, exciting. here's the question I want to ask you as somebody who works for Glory. Um, how, how, how good does that make you feel, knowing that Glory's making a big move? I mean, we've seen what's happened with Glory in the last two years um, during the pandemic. Uh, it must be nice. It must give you a really good feeling to see that they're making a big move like that because Glory have, have put on some you know, solid events or whatever, but, uh, and they're just starting to get the wheels back in motion. But to make a big move like that must, must give you, um, must make you very happy knowing that Glory was a little bit on shaky ground for some time. Yeah, no, it's just the confidence in hearing we're signing. There's also been rooms, and you see him tweeting about Gokan Saki maybe eventually as well. And, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of interest, and I think that is what uh, kickboxing needs again. I think we needed some of these crossover athletes to come back uh, to kind of really push the sport in the needle in North America. And I think the key is we're, we're big in Europe. Our, our, our numbers of our pay-per-views and, and our viewership in Holland is just incredible. But the goal is we want to move some needles here in North America. And I think guys like, you know, Alistair Overeem are the perfect crossover guy. So hopefully he brings more eyes, more attention, and then we can kind of grow a little bit more here because – Ultimately, I want to grow Glory Kickboxing, but my deep goal is to see the sport grow here in North America. So to see that, I think it's just going to help, and I think we just get more eyes, and that's how uh, we get this thing and the needle moving a little bit more. Which more eyes, Marlon more eyes or, uh, or Shaman more eyes? For what? I'm just joking. You said more eyes on this. I was, I was oh, more joking. eyes on this. I got it. That went right over my head. Yeah, it did. Right over my head. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I mean, that card, I mean... You can really look, but we got the Pereira rematch. You know, we have um, a lot of big names. These young heavyweights. We're really focusing Which back Pereira on rematch? the heavyweights again. It's the Vahitov rematch. Oh, that, that's been booked. Yep, it's already been booked. Ooh, sign me up. It's going to be July seventeenth. Yep. What's in like a month? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to Holland for that, right? So I didn't I'll be realize calling, they rebooked uh, that. I'm, I'm, that. That was one of my favorite kickboxing fights ever. That first one. That was a great yep. fight. It's 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 a technical one, and most people think Vahitov won. I'm um, I'm one of them. Yeah, so I think uh, at, at that point you're going to see uh, a really good fight. I mean, you got to. I'm just. That fight alone just excites me way too much. And what else is on that card? Um, trying to go right now to get the full event here. But you have the Botter as the main event. He's fighting our, our one of the one of our Polish kickboxers who's pretty good. Uh, Vasoshik. Arthur Vasoshik. Yeah, practice that one, Joe, but yeah, continue. I have to. I've called it a few <laughs> times, so it's not too bad. Um, he's exciting. I think that's the one. Then you've got the uh, Vahitov Pereira, um, Belgari versus Wisa. We have uh, the lightweight championship to Johnny Bestati versus uh, an American, an Albanian American, Elvis Gashi. When did um, Bestati but, win the championship? Uh, what happened was the champion uh, was Marat Gregorian. He moved over to one. So now we have the vacant lightweight uh, belt okay. on the line. Yeah. And then uh, you, we even have me in the past middleweight. you think Bestati's going to be a champion one day. Oh, yeah, the kid's, the kid's phenomenal. And, I mean, we have the middleweight belt, too, because Pereira's giving up the uh, middleweight belt. Oh, I didn't know that. And okay. now, uh, so they're putting the middleweight belt on the line, and uh, you got uh, Pereira fighting for that light heavy one, uh, defending so it with Vahitov. So, stacked card. I mean, if, if you're a big kickboxing fan, like, you'll know the names. If I say Luis Tavares mm -hmm. versus Maslaboyev, you'll be, like, insane. Uh, I mean, then you got the the next guy to fight Cedric Dumbay. It's going to be either Hamisha versus Dmitry Menchikov. So that's kind of the title eliminator for uh, for Cedric Dumbay, who we'll probably see maybe in December's event. Nice. Okay. So we got another two more events planned this year. So, yep, like you said, we're back. We're back. All right. We got over and, and we're ready to go. Maybe on the December card too, I would guess, right? Yeah, I think we'll probably uh, try to pack everyone in that December show if. Uh, if I would have to guess. All right, Joe. Well, I'm glad we could touch on that. I'm glad that Overeem has joined uh, you guys and that you get to call us fights. That's big news. Yeah, and I actually called fights with him in the past. I, we got to call Rico Botter 1 together. We got to call Nikki Holtzkin Dumbay together. So it was cool. I got to meet him. We kind of got a relationship. Now I get to call, uh, you know, one of the greatest martial artists of all time compete. So I'm excited. All right. Well, Let's wrap this up. Like I mentioned, the TSN MMA Show interview edition is also up on uh, our, our feed. Uh, Star-studded affair this week, so check that out. 
And uh, myself and Dan Tom will be previewing UFC 263. We actually taped it earlier in the week because Dan's going to Hawaii for his grandfather's funeral. So uh, that you can watch right before. His grandfather died about a year ago, but because of the pandemic, they weren't able to do a proper ceremony for him. So it's My been condolences. Yeah, so uh, Dan is heading over to Hawaii. And you can watch that on Saturday right before the event. We'll be streaming that. So uh, thanks, Joe. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the fallout from UFC 263, PFL recap, Bellator recap. More MMA than you can swallow. So we appreciate that, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.